On this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Bits to Podium, we discuss the five things that you must keep an eye on for this week's Spanish Grand Prix. And what are those five things you ask? Well, we've got the circuit characteristics, the big battle between Mercedes and Red Bull, and the one thing that we would like to see between each team, along with qualifying, the big midfield battles, and of course, the big fight between two Spaniards who are competing against each other for the honor and the pride of being called the fastest Spaniard in the 2021 Formula 1 season, at home that is. But you get the idea. So, without any further ado, let's get going. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen, to Pitch the Podium and the Inside Line F1 podcast. My name is Samar Arora. You might know me from the driving force on Hotstar. And I'm joined by Kunal Shah, who is the ex-marketing head of force in the F1 team and now works as a motorsport consultant as the, at the VS Sport Network in Norway. Kunal. Good stuff here this weekend. I think many may think that this is not going to be the most fun race to watch, but I, I think otherwise. I think there's quite a few good narratives that we can look into heading into this week's Spanish Grand Prix. Hi, Samuel. Hi, everyone. Yes, I think it's definitely a lot of interesting narratives. It's also the first double header race of this uh, season, which is actually better than having a three week gap like we saw between Bahrain and Ebola, right? So, uh, first up, I think circuit characteristics, you know, uh, 30 years to, uh, you know, the circuit uh, hosting a Grand Prix, which I think is fantastic in itself. And uh, to me, Samuel, one interesting stat that stands out is most of the low speed corners are actually left handers and the fa- the high speed corners are actually right handers. And that causes, uh, you know, a headache when when it comes to finding a balance in the setup. And it also causes a headache to the tires because the left tires wear out quicker, whereas the right side, uh, you know, the tires on the right-hand side experience lower temperatures. Now, this stat is courtesy Mercedes and just goes to what depth teams need to go in order to maximize performance, you know, through a Grand Prix weekend, especially at, you know, a circuit they've driven so many millions of miles at. Exactly. Barcelona is where we usually have our testing. Not happening this year, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you'd like to think of it. I think it's an unfortunate thing that it had to happen at Bahrain instead of here, because frankly, I love Barcelona. I don't get why people don't like this track. Seriously, it's okay. A small rant, I'll take 30 seconds, not more than that. Come on, recognize that there are other series apart from Formula One that come here as well. It's a beautiful circuit to drive on. If you're lucky enough to have a sim, just take 30 minutes. Drive here once, you'll recognize how amazing of a circuit this is. By the way, the F1 arcade games do not count as sims. That's a separate matter for some other day. But <laughs> just the technicalities of the track, the way it flows, it's, there's a reason why it's so good for testing. It challenges every single aspect, not only of the car, but of the driver as well. It's amazing. Uh, and it's only in Formula 1 canal where it doesn't quite produce really good racing. MotoGP, of course, does. That's bikes, I know. But even if you watch some other Formula 3 races or something like that, that's happened over here. Even GT3, for that matter, that are known to be notoriously hard to pass in, they produce quite a few stunners around here. So I think it may not be a track problem. It's just the car. Because unlike Spain, we've also, uh, I mean, just like Spain, I'm sorry, we've also seen other great circuits where we haven't quite seen great races happen sometimes. 
Yeah, Suzuka comes to mind, you know, great circuit, but not always the greatest of racing. And I'm so glad you pointed this out. You know, it's in it's it's in the Alonso range of things. It's 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 not the car, it's me, you know. So here it's not Formula One overall, it's just the Formula One cars. But I think on a more serious note, uh, you know, if you're an engineer, you might just like the circuit a little more than if you were a fan or if you were a driver, because the engineering challenge of, uh, you know, the circuit seems far more daunting than all the other aspects of it. And, you know, this year, turn 10, again, it's become a buzzword and a talking point. Everyone's talking about it. And, you know, some of the interesting things that have come around is uh, it's definitely not going to help in, uh, you know, overtaking, which is probably one of the reasons why fans anyway dislike Barcelona, because you have as good as one uh, overtaking spot, you know, on the on the main straight. And uh, that's probably why it is where it is. And, you know, like, like you said, Somil, it, it's a great venue for testing because, different parts of the circuit test different aspects, uh, characteristics of, of a Formula One car. So, you know, there are parts where there are turns where specifically the aero grip is tested and then there are there's sector three where the mechanical grip is tested and so on. So again, if you're an engineer, you love this circuit, but frankly, I just love all Formula One circuits. I'd love to go drive a lap around this circuit. I'm sure it's, it's going to be as fun. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, teams have done millions of miles literally at Barcelona. So even though they've missed out on the preseason test, they have potloads of data to make sure that they get their setup right through this weekend. Small thing before I move on to the other more important part about the characteristics of Barcelona. Do you really love all circuits, Fernandez? Have you, have you seen the layout of Yas Marino, or perhaps the new Miami circuit that they're coming up with? Come on. This. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got me there. Most circuits is what I'm going to say. Uh, you know, I, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm speechless when it comes to uh, the Yas Marina. Okay. Uh, Miami circuit, well, still yet to be seen how good or bad it's going to be. Uh, I love Baku as well. I must say a lot Baku of people dislike it. But I, I, I definitely like circuits where there is a slingshot, you know, that you can get. Street circuits are always a little more favored because of the challenges they, you know, sort of bring to the table. The next race, of course, is going to be Monaco. Yeah. And uh, Somal, frankly, again, you know, since we are talking of the straights, uh, another characteristic of uh, the circuit de Catalunya is that it has got the lowest straight line speed in the traps, right? You you do just a little over 320 because it's such a high speed uh, and a high aerodynamics uh efficient circuit. So you're only going to be setting up for the corners pretty much. Should be a very interesting challenge that, you know, how teams recognize that and how they work towards it. They have done it over the years. And I'd say the reason why we get to see dull races here is because efficiency is boring. You've come here all the time. You've tested it all the time. You have peak performance, peak setup. By the way, Baltimore is not a great circuit for racing. It's not got, it's got just as many overtaking opportunities as Barcelona. Why have the last two races been good? We have not got ample of data on it. So same comes comes back to the same point. Efficiency can be a bit dull. Reminds me, I said the same thing 12 months ago when we came here to Catalonia, but hey, separate matter that. But another characteristic, Kunal, very important thing, is the grass. And which leads us to a very important question. Who is going to be the first driver to get the Manscaped lawnmower, more, lawnmower moment? Ah, that's a bit of a muscle, isn't it? The Manscaped <laughs> lawnmower moment of... The weekend. Who do you think gets it this time out? 
Well, you know, Nikita Mazepin has definitely, you know, uh, put his hand up uh, given his early spin in FP1. Uh, it's it's tough to look beyond Mazepin at least at the moment. But come Sunday, I'm pretty certain we are going to have at least a few more drivers who will you know sort of raise their hands up to be counted in for the manscaped lawnmower movement. And I got it right, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> and and by the way, folks, you can also grab all of Manscaped products with a big discount by the way, twenty percent off if you use the code Trim Inside, and that's around the world, whatever country you're from. Australia, US, even Norway for that matter, we could not lose, by the way. You can get shipping to those, and I've only heard good things about them. So use the code trim inside. Link to that in the show notes down below. Also, another interesting partnership. You can get your hands on all of Puma Motorsports merchandise by using the code Puma Inside Line. Use the link down in the show notes again. As you can see on the screen, they've got some rather good stuff going on here. Mercedes AMG F1, Ferrari, Red Bull Racing. BMW and Porsche as well, if you're a sports car enthusiast too. Caps, bags, hats, jackets, all the other stuff as well. And by the way, one interesting point. For the Monaco GP that's coming up right after Spain, there's a special competition in store where you could win vouchers of 3,000 rupees flat on any merchandise on the Puma Motorsports store. That's, that's just beyond me. But hey, that's just the good stuff that we are doing. Absolutely, Samil. It's great to be having all these brands as partners. It's not just Formula One teams that have partners. It's even the Formula One podcast and the channel yeah. that we have on YouTube. Absolutely. And with that, let's move on to the next thing. Speaking about two big stalwarts in the game, Mercedes and Red Bull Racing. Now, preparing for the show, Kunal and I were thinking, yeah, but we've spoken all that we can speak about. The narrative, thankfully, remains the same. No shenanigans, just proper hardcore fighting between Mercedes and Red Bull. But Bernard came up with a very interesting topic to think about. What is the one thing that we'd like to see from each of those teams here this week? And why don't we start with you, Kunal, on this matter? So when it comes to Red Bull Racing, I think I am looking forward to an error-free weekend from Max Verstappen, right? Having said that, he's already made a track limits error uh, in FP2. <laughs> that sees him ninth. But that's okay. It's still not the business end of the of the weekend so from from uh, the red bull racing side of the garage especially for max verstappen and error free weekend that's what i do when it comes to lewis hamilton when it comes to mercedes i think i'm going to look forward to how quick or not will their pit stops be because nithyanand from pits to podium one of our colleagues actually pulled out statistics that showcase that Mercedes have had some really slow pit stops in the first three rounds of the season, right? And Sommel, when the stakes are going to get only higher as the season progresses and as the competition between them and Red Bull get only tighter, slower pit stops will definitely come to harm the team. So I am looking forward to see if they've actually made some progress in getting quicker in their pit stops. That is a very good point, you know. And I'm not going to tell you the exact number by how much. I'm going to leave it to you to find out on Pitch to Podium social media channels. Yeah, I'm a bit cruel, I know. Hey, just moving on stuff. But check that out. It's an alarming number, that. And it's a real, it's a real shame. McLaren, by the way, were dead last on that. And we thought they had a complete resurrection after 2017. But no, that video you saw of McLaren dropping the car on the jacks, it's not that bad now. But they're still losing 
too much time on the pit lane. And not that it's bothering them this season, but that's a separate topic that we will come to in a couple of minutes. What I'd love to see from Red Bull is Sergio Perez finally having an error-free weekend. That is one thing I've been waiting to see for a long, long time because Checo, what, three races in, every single race there's been some sort of drama. What can he pull out from the bag when there's no issues at all? That is going to be a lot of fun for Mercedes. I know I'm asking too much. I know it's not Christmas or Diwali, but what are challenging apart from qualifying as well? Maybe if that's a possibility. I don't know. I, I love to see a proper fight between four cars instead of just two. And if that would happen eventually, I, I'm pretty sure that Sergio Perez will be in the mix this time. Out. But if Bottas is right there, I think, I think this will really be a fun one, you know. I think this could really add to it and kind of take away the, the, the sleep fest that people call and the Spanish GP to be, unfortunately, not. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, since you mentioned Bottas, I'm going to switch to the next point, which is qualifying, right? Yeah. And uh, I think one big factor that will come into play in qualifying is the tires and the preparation that drivers need to take for the tires. We've seen up until now that drivers need a couple of laps to get the tires into the optimal range, but that might not that might just be a luxury come qualifying uh, at, uh, you know, at the Spanish Grand Prix. So that's going to be key to look out for. And then something else that we've actually seen happen before is, you know, sector three is the tight and challenging technical section where a lot of time can be made in the low speed corners, right? But if you eat up your tires too much in sector one and two, you might just lose uh, grip when you come into three. So it's about finding a balance over a quick lap with regards to that'll be key as well. And this is one area we've seen Valtteri Bottas struggle more than Lewis Hamilton and several other drivers. And he's been very vocal about it, that he's got issues with his tire warm-up and he's working hard on it. So just sort of, you know, connecting it to your point about Bottas needing to do well and what is actually needed to get a good qualifying lap, Somil. Because at the end of the day, I think 22 out of the last 30 races have been won from pole position. So track yes. position yeah. is absolutely prime at the circuit de Catalunya. The clear reason why, isn't it? Just one, one particular slot where you can go in and make that overtake. Interesting is the word I'm going to use here because in Portimao, Bottas was actually able to counter the crosswind well and get pole position. Now, if you can counter the crosswind, I don't think this should be a major challenge. But let's see. Qualifying is going to be a lot of fun especially the onboard. Stone 9, just the onboard of Formula 1 cars going past there, never, ever ceases to amaze me. Guys, if you think the race is going to be boring, at least check that onboard right there. That, that'll be a big silver lining if you think that's not going to be an interesting one. But strategy should be fun. Tires should be very interesting, even more so in the midfield, which brings us to our second to last thing to watch our spoken on. And I don't know where to begin because this midfield pack is getting so amazing. McLaren aside, they're... They're somewhat in a class of their own. But Catalonia, of course, a very corner-oriented circuit. Let's start with Alpine. Let's start with the team that's giving me the most intrigue in the last couple of weeks. Alpine got recent upgrades. And a very interesting point, you know, on the, on the F1 post today's show, Danik Isiat knowingly or unknowingly kind of revealed the detail that could be playing into Alpine's advantage. Remember the last time I was questioning, well, how is Alpine so quick, man? Is it just the upgrade? Or what is it all about? They don't seem explicitly low drag and there's a reason to why they are actually quite good it's in the slow corners where the, where the low revving Renault engine is actually able to give them more grunt and give them more pace in that aspect that's where the Alpine is really working well 
which should bring about a very fun thing, Kunal, because Catalonia, apart from a couple of really interesting medium speed corners like turn number three or turn number nine, is largely based on slow speed corners. So what do you reckon? And also, adding to the point, Catalonia is upgrade fest, right? Everyone just brings the new upgrades over here. So Aston Martin have got them, Ferrari have got some minor ones, Mercedes have got some as well, Red Bull making some changes to the barge boards, Williams getting new old front wings, but more on that in a second. But it's, <laughs> it's big chopping and changing going on. It is big chopping and changing and interesting insight from Danny Kvyat. And thanks for sharing that, Somil. And, uh, you know, to me, the one question that everyone's going to look out for when it comes to Alpine is, was their pace advantage or, you know, the pace that they showed in Portimao track and surface specific, or have they genuinely made a step forward? And again, based on FP2 timings, it seems like they've genuinely made a step forward. Uh, Ocon being, you know, half a step ahead of maybe Fernando Alonso. And in the overall scheme of things, the, the, the mano y mano, and I, I'm not the greatest when it comes to Spanish, but you know, the, the two Spaniards will go head to head, which is Sainz and Alonso, uh, okay. you know, in the midfield, right? And that's going to definitely be an interesting battle for, for us to follow, Samuel. Indeed, that will be so much fun. So think of it, guys. These guys have been, I mean, okay, Carlos Sainz has been watching Formula One and Fernando Alonso literally all his life. He's grown up to a point where he's come and raced against them side by side at the Spanish GP as well, by that matter. But now the stakes are even higher. Both of them are driving for manufacturer teams. Carlos Sainz driving for Ferrari and Alonso with his own championship winning team of Renault slash Alpine. Alpine now, as it's called right now. Goodness, this, this is the stuff of dreams, Kunal. And, and, and Carlos Sainz must have been thinking as a kid, I want to beat Fernando Alonso in that Renault. Now, Alonso's still at Reno. Uh, Carlos Sainz is here at Ferrari. <laughs> I, well, man, it's the kind of stuff that gets you teary-eyed if you're very invested into it. But just think of the, uh, the, the prospect of this battle because Ferrari, uh, they've been struggling on C2. That's the second, uh, that's the medium compound tire that we use in Portimao and the same one that we be used here in Spain this weekend. Charles Leclerc struggled on it. Carlos Sainz struggled on it. A shout-out to Kaushik, who actually identified that we missed out on speaking about Carlos Sainz. That's the reason why he faltered the last time out. Really bad on C2 Ferrari. And that's not me saying it. That's what they have come up in the media and said. So they weren't able to make any sort of thing work out, be it the undercut or the overcut. That's why Carlos Sainz fell to P11. And if they are generally falling back, Ferrari, who seemed to be embroiled in a battle with McLaren, could very well be matched up in that fight between Alpine. Who knows? And finally, we could see Alonso versus Sainz on track. But some, something tells me that it's going to be... Sainz versus Ocon here instead, because Ocon is showing a lot more tenacity, finally. You know, we saw Alonso overtake Carlos Sainz in the last race in Portimao, and uh, I, I expect them to be fighting uh, tooth and nail this weekend as well. But Carlos Sainz, again, to watch out for, because he's he's been, you know, uh, he was quicker than uh, Charles Leclerc when it came to qualifying in Portimao. So, how well and how fast he settles in, that's going to be key. And, you know, they always say when you race at home, you find a couple of more horsepower in your car. So that's going to be true for both the Spaniards. And, you know, Aston Martin, they have come up with upgrades. I think there are upgrades to uh, their floor and the diffuser area, basically something that should give them overall grip, something that their drivers have complained about. So 
I suspect it's it's going to be uh, you know Alpine, Ferrari, Aston Martin, McLaren, very very close between all of them. I also suspect you know Portimao was just a blip for Alpha Tauri. It was circuit specific, and maybe they're going to be back in uh, the reckoning uh, from this weekend as well. So a very very strong midfield bite to a uh, uh, midfield fight to watch out for uh, this weekend as well. And uh, I'll you know I'll put it this way, Samuel that. the performance around the circuit de catalunya generally gives a good understanding of form factor that will follow for several races you know in the season that's just how good uh, yeah. the cars get evaluated around this circuit exactly it's just the measuring stick for catalunya we've come here for years we know what this track is all about and the bite it's interesting you mentioned the bite although by accident I I'm, I'm interested to see if someone bites on the chili here because Carlos Sainz really seems to be doing well when he's come into Ferrari. I I'm keen to see where this battle plays out because as you mentioned Alfa Tauri could be a part of this. Think of it. It's not for P1, but Ferrari uh versus Alfa Tauri versus Alpine and look at the drivers there. Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, you've got Yuki Tsunoda, Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon and a two-time world champion in Fernando Alonso. Goodness. Tell me in. That's the kind of stuff that's happening right here. Very interesting things. But a, a point before we go on, Arkunal, is that the cost cap has caused a few issues right here. Now, Williams and Mercedes are the two teams that have had the most incidents in the first three races. And so, incidents regarding the front wing, let's just put it that way. And a very interesting thing was cited uh, at the circuit of Barcelona, Catalonia, where Williams were actually seen bringing in their 2020 spec front wings into the team garage. Now they're not going to be using them on the car immediately. They, they might be spare, so in case anything happens, they might be having to use that one. But it's amazing that already teams are struggling with it, and it's not just Williams, by the way. Even Mercedes, for that matter, they're right on the edge of bringing their old 2020 spec one machines. And can you tell the viewers why they just can't get get a new one? Why can't they just commission more 2021 spec from doing this year? You know, Samuel. Very simply put, they have pocket money to live in. right in that they have to decide if they want to watch a movie or if they want to have a popcorn at the movie or do we, do they want to go to a go-kart track and also spend their money or go to a discotheque and have fun you know in in general uh, talk as i would put it but quite simply put you know of course there is a cost cap and not everyone is spending through the cost cap that's important and maybe that's true in the case of williams right but the second thing to of course keep in mind is the whole balance between what teams need to do this season while still maximizing resources for the 2022 car which is where everyone is expecting a lot of gains to come in and a lot of form factor to change and like we've seen in the past you know if you start a new era on the back foot it takes that much longer for teams to catch up and if you remember if you look at the hybrid turbo era that we are currently in 2014 was when we started and what the gaps between the teams were and it's only in 2021 that it seems like the field has converged a fair bit right maybe a little bit of 2020 as well but you know back in 2019 we still had the formula 1 and the formula 1.5 at least right now we are seeing formula 1 1.25 and 1.5 with the whole mclaren uh, scenario right so that's predominantly the reason why teams are making all these uh, you know expense uh, choices do we spend it here or there we can't spend it in both places because we have to see what is better for you know the the long run rather than just the the immediate short term 
interesting, right? Just brings up another aspect. What will happen if teams eventually run out? So it's a case of who runs out of their front wings first, for that matter. Do you spend more time commissioning new front wings? And will that take away focus in 2022? Whatever. Food for thought that is. But folks, thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode. Now, apologies for the audio. It was an error from my end. My mic seemed to give up, but I hope that wasn't much of a problem. I'll try and get that fixed out as soon as possible. But uh, your predictions, folks, if you have anything in mind, and I'm sure you will, uh, log on to Pitch the Podium on social media. Links down in the description where you can take part in our Grand Prix Prediction League. And well, you can just play. You can win big prizes, by the way. And also, if you want to check where you are in the Prediction League, subscribe to our newsletter. That's the one that you can see on the OBS template right now. Links down in the description. More good stuff right there. But Kunal, thank you so much for joining me. Lovely episode, this one. And I hope, I hope that the race is going to be just as lively as this, as this episode was. Absolutely, Samuel. Fantastic to be talking. I'm glad your audio issues were Friday and not on the business end of our <laughs> weekend as well. I'm, I'm sure we'll fix it for Sunday. But thanks so much for joining me. And see you at another video very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.